Well, Father Barry, who had served as a World War I chaplain on the Western Front um, from 1916 to 1918, wrote this. The chaplains were allowed to move freely everywhere. And when the units went up, we went up with them. Several were awarded Victoria Crosses and a substantial number were killed in action. We would give Holy Communion in the dugouts, minister to the wounded and dying, share so far as we might in what the troops endured. We did what we could to serve them in Christ's name. And surely the cigarettes was a relevant form of the cup of cold water. And they understood that this was why we were doing it. They did not regard us just as welfare officers. In some dim way, they discovered that they, what they needed and what the ministry of the church sought to offer. Right in the midst of battle, right in the heart of pain, chaplains had their role, bringing the love of Christ to people who needed courage, healing, encouragement, and support. It wasn't the acts of kindness or the cigarettes that really mattered. It was through those acts of kindness that the men found who they really needed, Jesus. In troubled times, many people question faith, don't they? Some seek it out as they seek meaning for their lives and an end to the difficult situation they may find themselves in, and possibly looking for hope for a future or the courage to carry on. Mike Moriarty, an American officer during the Iraq war, wrote this. If you didn't have any faith, you'd probably have a very hard time leaving that wire every day. And then there are others who ask, where is God in the suffering? Or maybe we all ask that at times. As uh, we've been restricted to our homes over, over these past months, I have spent some time wondering what it must have been like in the war, those six years in the Second uh, World War and uh, the years of the First World War. And in September 1940, um, there were 56 days that followed where the Germans blitzed London every single day. What would that have been like? The doodlebug described by some as spluttering like an ancient Ford driving uphill, then silence. And you had about 15, uh, 15 seconds to run for safety, not knowing where that was going to land hiding in air raid shelters or under the stairs, rations, no word from loved ones on the front line for months. Just despair all those years. And as I remember this year, on a superficial level, in some ways it brings comfort that lockdown is nowhere near as bad. And then on a deeper level, I realized that in all these times, when we find it tough to varying degrees, God is always present with his people and he does bring them through. And so as we remember this year, a year where we have lost some of our own freedom that many fought and lost their lives for years ago. And in fact, some are still fighting today for people's freedoms. In this year where we face a long winter of storms and uncertainty, the outcome of the U.S. election and where that's going to lead, Brexit, COVID, unemployment, grief, a struggling economy. 
But what can we take away from Remembrance Sunday 2020? Well, the first thing I think we take away is gratitude. The loss of some of our freedom has heightened our awareness of how much we value it and the value and the freedom we actually live in. And maybe, like me, you give a little more thought to the freedom that we have and what it cost as people fought for it. And let us not forget that people are still fighting for people's freedom today. In other countries, maybe, but many people still live without freedom, struggling to survive in war-ridden countries or being unwanted as refugees in someone else's country. As we remember, let's be grateful for what we have. And as we remember, let us remember that God's people have been here so many times before. Each generation suffers to varying degrees, some way worse than the other. I don't think my generation can ever say we've suffered as much as people suffered through the war. And we know from historic accounts the horrendous evil that people uh, can do, the Holocaust, acts of terrorism. And then we face economic uncertainty and now a pandemic. The Bible is a series of accounts of where God leads his chosen people into or towards a promised land. They turn away and worship other idols, whether they be spiritual idols or in our context, idols of consumerism, self-independence, uh, those types of things. And yet, as people realize they are lost in the midst of the troubles, he faithfully pours out his compassion and his grace, and he draws them back to him to fulfill his promises. Time and time again, God's people fail. I mean, if you read the Bible, it was like, here we go again. You know, they do right in the eyes of the Lord, then they do wrong in the eyes of the Lord. But God restores us as we fail and as we cry out, where are you, God? I attended a study uh, this week with Catherine Sonderega, who's a theologian, and um, she had a talk entitled, Has God Hidden His Face in This Pandemic? And I'm sure on the front line as, as men fight and women today, they may be asking, has God hidden his face? But she states that a form of divine presence, it's not an absence. God is there as we face evil. And sometimes that's the consequence of human acts of power of greed. And sometimes there's natural evil of a broken world God never intended for us, dying alone, dying too soon, carrying scars to recovery, being of income or companionship or human intimacy. But one thing is sure, God never remains hidden. He makes a way to bring his people through. And today's reading out of Ezekiel, I really love Ezekiel. It just uh, brings hope. But here's a, a passage that promises, doesn't matter what's gone before, I'm going to bring you back to the promised land. I'm going to gather you back. And I am going to fulfill my promise to my people, my chosen people. I will gather you from all countries and bring you back to your own land. And as we remember today, we know with God, 
that our story may begin in tears, but it always, always, always ends in hope. We have hope. We are his chosen people. We are loved by him. And he will lead us through as we look forward to God's promise, as he promises in Revelation 21. He says, he will wipe away every tear from our eyes and death shall be no more. Neither nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And so as we remember, remember that God is faithful and will bring us through. And the third thing is that sacrifice is an abundant generosity to others that comes at great cost. We'll have a silence later on at 11 o'clock today. And in those minutes of silence, as we remember, then remember our freedom even today comes at a cost. Sacrifice is at the heart of freedom. And the greatest sacrifice as God's people we know is Jesus on the cross, overcoming death so that you and I may live freely, spiritually free and eternally free, knowing as sinners we're never going to get it right, but that God has made a way. In Hebrews 7, it says the, the former regulation is set aside. The law was not perfect and it, had, um, and it made nothing perfect. But it says that a better hope was introduced by which we draw near to God. And Jesus is that hope. This year, we are asked ourselves to share in that generosity of sacrifice. We are asked to sacrifice our everyday daily life that we love to live, to isolate so others may live too. And so for a little while, we sacrifice that freedom that costs so much. Freedom to live as we want. And some these days are demanding it as their right and that the government can't restrict them. Well, I'm not so sure I fully agree with that. Because you see, as we remember today, we remember that our freedom that we live in today was not a right, but a gift given to us by so many who we've never met, who lost their lives so we could have our freedom. And so now in a very small and far less costly way, it's our turn. And then finally, in times of crisis and these times of devastation and pain, we seek the Lord. An American Baptist chaplain named Henry, Harry Emerson Fosdick wrote this. Some whose spiritual life in mild days was little noted, flame out in brilliant faith amid war's horrors, like flares that light no man's land at night. In times of crisis, in times of suffering, people seek the Lord. People pray. And God hears our prayers. As we seek him, as we as a people turn back to his ways and trust him, as we are repentant and reassess our lives and what matters, putting him at the center, he does not forget us. Verse 27, I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors and you will be my people and I will be your God. So together, 
as our faith strengthens in these times, as we find peace in the storm, as we trust in the one who is always faithful, we bring hope to others. We ignite a desire for them to seek him too. As we offer groceries, a chat, a moment of care, much like the cigarettes on the front line, we offer Jesus and it's his love that shines through. He shines through who we are in him. It's effortless. It just comes from the love we offer him. And so as we look back with grateful hearts, with the confidence of knowing God will bring us through, as we ourselves sacrifice for a future without fear, as we remember, lest we forget. I end with the words of Chief Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, who died yesterday. If you want to face the future without fear, make sure you're carrying a bit of the past with you. Amen. <laughs>